You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Genesis chapter 49 and verse number 22. The Bible says, Joseph is a fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow by a well whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him, but his bow abode in strength, and the, arm, uh, the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, even by the God of thy father, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless, bless thee with Blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breast and of the womb. The blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors. That's a great word there, amen. I said it so many times and I got it right. And uh, progenitors, amen. Unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills, they shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren, Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is it that their father spake unto them, and blessed them, every one according to his blessing, he blessed them. And verse 29, And he charged them, and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people, Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We will, Lord willing, we'll finish this morning our, uh, our lesson. We won't finish the entire series, but we'll finish our lesson from Genesis 49. I started three weeks ago and we told you these are the last words of Jacob. And Jacob calls his sons together. He calls all 12 of them. And he goes down the list. He starts with Reuben, the oldest, and he ends with Benjamin, the youngest, and he gives the blessings. Uh, he gives prophecy. He talks about some things that they had done. He talks about some things that they will do. And we said that this was a, a meeting. This was a gathering for all of the sons. The sons couldn't opt out of this meeting. The sons could not call in and say, you know, we're not sure we're going to be able to make it, so sorry, Dad. They all had to be there. They all had to be present. And while they were there, there was nothing that was hidden. There was nothing that was uh, uh, swept under the rug. It was all open. It was all evident. It was all obvious. And I told us, I think it was last week, maybe it was the week before, but that's a lot of what's going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ, there'll be nothing hidden. Uh, you won't be able to call in sick for that meeting. We will all be there. And there's going to be some great joy at the judgment seat because we're saved and we're in heaven. We thank the Lord for that. But I think at the judgment seat, I think there's going to be some regret. I think there's going to be some feeling of, I wish I would have served God more. After all that God has done for us and all that Jesus did for us on the cross, I think we're going to feel like, you know, I wish I would have served God more. I'll promise you this. Nobody's going to stand at the judgment seat and say, I wish I hadn't gone to church so much. 
I wish I hadn't read my Bible so much. I wish I hadn't prayed so much. Oh, boy, I tell you, I sure, I, I gave way too much money to missions, you know, to getting the gospel out. And I gave too much money to the work of God. And, you know, I spent too much time serving God. Nobody is going to have those thoughts. But I think there will be some people that will say, I wish I would have done more. I wish I would have served God more. And this judgment seat of Jacob, this meeting of Jacob's sons, I think there were some regrets for these boys. We gave you, uh, starting two weeks ago, we gave you some of the, the lessons here. We said Reuben, Reuben was a reminder for us not to waste our potential. And I want to challenge you, don't waste the potential that God's given you. We said Simeon and Levi are a reminder for us to control our anger. And I'll tell you, if you don't control your temper, you're going to have a lot of regrets in life. And you're going to have a lot of, lot of relationships that are going to be ruined. You're going to have a lot of times you'd like to take something back. Can I tell you, words are so powerful. Use them wisely. Use them kindly. We said about um, uh, Judah, his name means praise, and we ought to bring praise to God with our lives. Zebulun, use your abilities for God. Issachar, help others with their burdens. And Dan, get wisdom from God. We talked about Gad whose name means a troop. He me his name means a group of soldiers, an army. And we said, don't quit. Just keep on fighting. Uh, Gad, his, his people at times, they would begin to lose the battle, but in the end, they would overcome. And we are overcomers, and we are victorious through Christ. We talked about Asher, and we said, be thankful for the blessings. Uh, God has been so good to us, and everything good in our lives is all because of God. And then we talked about Naphtali, and we said the lesson there is for us to go out and to share the good news. That's what was given to Naphtali. He was a, a hind or a deer that was let loose, and he had good tidings, good words. And we ought to have good, encouraging words as we share the gospel with people. We pick up this morning with Joseph, and we'll talk about Joseph and Benjamin this morning. And before we get into Joseph and Benjamin, I'd like to one more time, I'd like to pray. And before I forget, I also want to say I didn't see baby Reed over here where I was sitting, but I see him now. And we're so happy for uh, Curry and Haley and God bless you. And I hope you'll uh, congratulate him and be in prayer for them. Let's pray right now for God's blessing upon our time together. Lord, we love you. We come now to the preaching of your word and we understand that we cannot do anything in our flesh. We understand that we are weak and we are frail. And we realize that without your help and without your power, we can do nothing. I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray that you'd give us what we need from the Word of God this morning. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. The Bible says about Joseph, it says that he is a fruitful bough. That is a branch. And Joseph was in his life, he was fruitful. Now you say, well, Pastor, I understand that's what the Bible says and that's what Jacob is saying. But there was a lot of time in Joseph's life where it did not appear like he was fruitful. We've, we've covered Joseph's life in this series. And remember when Joseph was sold as a slave by his brothers? They hated him. They, they wanted to kill him. Those were not fruitful days. Those were not happy days. Those were not bountiful days. Uh, remember when Joseph was in Potiphar's house and it looked like things were doing well? And then Potiphar's wife tried to get Joseph to sin and she lied about him and Joseph was thrown into, into prison. Those were not fruitful days. Those were depressing days. Those were discouraging days. 
And then Joseph was in prison and finally he interpreted the dreams for the butler and the baker and then he was forgotten. He had somebody make him a promise and they didn't keep the promise. That butler said, I'll remember you, Joseph, and he forgot. Those were not fruitful days. But yet, Jacob, at the end of his life, he says, Joseph is a fruitful bough. He is a fruitful branch. He goes on to say he's a fruitful bough by a well and whose branches run over the wall. You say, how is that possible? Well, I want to remind us this morning that bearing fruit doesn't happen overnight. We got some farmers in here, and I'm not a farmer by any stretch of the imagination, but I remember, and you do too, it wasn't that long ago, a month maybe, remember when everything was so brown and everything was so dry? And remember when you didn't even have to mow your lawn? You just had to trim the weeds. You remember that? Remember when you step on the grass and it crunched under your feet? Well, something happened. And guess what? There started to be some rain and there started to be some, uh, some, some water and there started to be an environment where the grass could grow and the crops could grow, and the gardens could grow. And can I tell you, bearing fruit doesn't happen overnight, but that's why you got to be faithful, and that's why you got to be consistent. It takes time to sow the seed, to plant the seed. It takes time to water. It takes time to pull up the weeds. It takes time just to wait on the fruit to come. But you know who brings forth fruit? God's the one that brings forth fruit. God's the one that blesses, and in His time, He makes all things beautiful. Aren't you glad for that? Joseph didn't see the fruit right away, but can I tell you when the fruit came, watch out. It was more than Joseph could contain. It was more than he could handle. The blessing of God made him exceeding glad and exceeding uh, 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 thankful that he had been patient and he had stayed faithful. I want you to see about Joseph's life that he was fruitful. As children of God, we all ought to be fruitful. There ought to be fruit in our lives. There ought to be evidence in our life. There ought to be people that come to Christ because of our lives. We ought to be a witness. We ought to be a testimony. There ought to be the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. If you've been saved and you've got the Holy Spirit of God living in you, there ought to be some joy in your life. There ought to be peace in your life. There ought to be love and there ought to be a long-suffering and kindness and gentleness and goodness and faith. Those ought to be, those are the fruits of the Spirit. Joseph's life, he was fruitful. Jacob said, Joseph, you are a fruitful branch. You have brought forth fruit. But notice the location of that fruitful branch. He said, you're a fruitful bough by a well. We just talked about the importance of water with, a, with a, a tree or with fruit. But can I tell you, that branch was fruitful because it was planted near a well. There was a source of water nearby where that tree could grow, where that tree could flourish. I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. When I say that, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is I know I'm preaching to people who are in church, and people who are doing what they can to come to church and hear from God. But I want to tell you, you and I will never grow in our Christian lives if we don't get planted near a well. If we don't get planted near the water. If we don't get planted near the Word of God and the preaching and the teaching and the Bible study and the Scripture memorization and devotions and a walk with God. If you don't get near a well, 
If you don't get near a water supply, you are going to be barren. You're going to be fruitless in your Christian life. You got to be by the well. There was a well, but notice also there was a wall. You say, well, why would anybody need a wall? Well, if you don't have a wall of protection around your trees or around your crops, the animals could come in and they could eat. Some of you with uh, gardens maybe or whatever, you're experiencing that uh, around here. And, and I am not a gardener, okay? Just so you understand. If I say something that doesn't make sense, it was because it didn't make sense, you know, and I don't know what I'm talking about. But I'll tell you around here, uh, you got some different critters that like to come and they like to eat your garden. They like to eat your plants. We've got over here in, in Lakeview Park, we've got deer. And those deer like to come and they say, oh, that was nice of the Johnsons or that was nice of the Powells or that was nice of the Vincents or that was nice of the Coburnats or I'm trying to think who else lives in this neighborhood now, but uh, that was nice of them. They planted us some food. It's like a buffet. We get to eat all we want. This is wonderful. Well, guess what? That gets frustrating when the critters come and eat the plants and eat the fruit that you have tried to grow. And so you put a wall up. You put up some protection and that wall keeps out the critters. In Bible times, they would have a wall to keep out the enemy because the enemy wanted to come and steal the food supply. The enemy wanted to come and steal the harvest. And you and I as Christians, if we're going to be fruitful, we're going to have to get close to a well. We're going to have to get near the water supply, but then we're going to have to make sure we've got a wall up. You say, well, pastor, what are you talking about? A wall. You know, my house has walls and we're safe and we lock the doors. I'm talking about a wall of spiritual protection in your life. I'm talking about a mother and a father that pray for their kids and pray for a wall of protection around their home. I'm talking about for a husband that prays for a wall of protection around his wife and a wife that prays for a wall of protection around her husband, and, and then the parents for the children, the children for the parents. I'm talking about a church that prays a wall of protection around our church members. You say, well, why on earth do we need a wall? Because we have an enemy, and our enemy is out to destroy, and our enemy is out to devour. devour. He wants to take away any fruit. He wants to take away any blessings. He wants to rob you of your joy. And he wants to rob you of your contentment. He wants to take everything you've got. And if you don't put up a wall, we are open target for the devil to come in. Jacob said about Joseph, you're a fruitful branch and you're by a well and your branches are, 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 are literally, they're so fruitful that they're running over the wall. There's so much fruit. But then notice verse 23, Joseph was fruitful but he was also attacked. And I want to tell you, I hope God's best for your life and I hope God's blessing for your life. But if you're going to do something for God, there's going to be some attacks because the devil does not like it when you live for God, when you serve God, when you take a stand for God. Satan will have a target on your back. You can mark it down. And the Bible says about Joseph, it says the archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. Can I tell you, Joseph was not man of the year among his brothers. He was not man of the year in Potiphar's house after Potiphar's wife lied about him. He was hated. He was attacked. The, the terminology here is that the archers 
were taking their bows and their arrows and they were literally shooting at him. Reminds me of Ephesians 6 where the Bible says that the, the, the devil is trying to get us with his fiery darts. He, he's, he's shooting at you. He's shooting at me. He wants to destroy us. And by the way, don't be surprised when you become a, a, a subject of his attack. The Bible says in 1 John 3, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. You know why the world's going to hate you? Because they hated Jesus. They crucified him. And you claim to be a child of God and you claim to be a, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You are going to be a target and you will be in a battle. Verse number 23, the archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. Verse 24, but his bow abode in strength. He was under attack, but he had some strength. He had some power. You say, where did Joseph get it? He didn't get it from his brothers. They were nowhere to be found. And when they were found, they were part of the problem. He didn't get it from his dad. His dad was miles and miles away. He didn't get it from his friends. His friends were, were, were the next country over. You say, where did Joseph get his strength? Verse 24, the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. Joseph got his strength from the only person that was there. The only person that was able to strengthen him in those days. And that was God himself. God showed up in Joseph's life and he gave him strength when he was in the pit. He gave him strength when he was in prison. He gave him strength when he was persecuted. And God gave Joseph strength. And I want to tell you this morning, Victory Baptist Church, you can't do it in your own strength. And I can't do it in my own strength, but we don't have to do it in our own strength because we have the power of God at our disposal. We've got the mighty hands of God available to help us and to assist. Notice with me, verse 24, Jacob says about Joseph. He says from there, from, from Joseph and his family, there would come the shepherd and the stone of Israel. Now, I believe that is fulfilled partially in Joseph. Joseph was a shepherd for Israel. Joseph was the one that kept the people of Israel alive during that time of famine. Joseph was the stone. He was the rock. He was the foundation for his family and for his people. And I believe it was fulfilled in Joseph. Obviously, we know that the stone and the shepherd of, of Israel, the stone and the shepherd of our lives is Jesus Christ. He's the great shepherd. He's the chief cornerstone. But this was also fulfilled in one of Joseph's descendants. You see, from Joseph's son Ephraim, there would come a leader in Israel by the name of Joshua. Wow, things seemed hopeless. They'd been wandering in that wilderness and God had already told Moses, he said, you're not going to lead him into the promised land. But God raised up Joshua and Joshua became a shepherd. He became a leader. He became a stone. He became a solid anchor for God's people. And this prophecy is fulfilled in the shepherd and the stone of Israel. And Jacob says, hey, from you, Joseph, there's coming a shepherd. There's coming a stone. I want to remind you this morning, we need that great shepherd, Jesus Christ, every day of our lives. 
He is the shepherd. We are the sheep. We need the stone. We need the rock of ages cleft for me. We need that chief cornerstone to build our lives upon. But then notice verse 25. Jacob is speaking to Joseph, and he says, Even by the God of thy father, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee, with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breast, blessing of the womb, the blessing of thy father that have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors. I think that's how you say it. I don't know, but I know what it means. It means ancestors. And Jacob said to Joseph, he said, Abraham was blessed and Isaac was blessed and I've been blessed, but you're going to have more blessings than all the rest of us have had because God blessed Joseph, get this, in every area of his life. Now, I'll tell you, that's the kind of blessing I want. If you need help this morning, there may be, let's say you need help with your, your vehicle. You need mechanical help. I'm not the guy to help you with that, but you could probably find a mechanic. Maybe you need some electrical help. You could find an electrician. You need some plumbing help. You could find a plumber. Uh, maybe you need some help in legal matters. You could find a lawyer. You need some help with medical issues. You could find a doctor. But one person is probably not going to be able to help you in every single area of your life. That is until you meet Jesus. When you meet Jesus, he can help you in every area of life. He can help you with your finances. He can help you with your relationships. He can help you at the job. He can help you with your marriage. He can help you with your children. He can help you with your mind. He can help you to be encouraged. He can help you to get the victory over depression. Jesus can bless in every area. And Joseph experienced the blessing of God in every area possible. I'm so glad for God's help and God's blessing. Notice verse number 26. Because of Joseph, not only would he be blessed, but all of his brethren, all of his family would be blessed. Now, I won't have you turn there, but there's a verse in the book of Genesis that talks about Laban. Laban was Jacob's father-in-law. You remember that story how those guys, they were, they were not good business partners because they kept deceiving each other, you know, and kept ripping each other off. And what's bad is it was a family business. You know, that's really bad. But... The Bible makes this statement at one point about Laban, and it says that God blessed Laban for Jacob's sake. It's like Laban had nothing to do with the blessing, but because Jacob was there, God blessed Laban. You know, that's the way it ought to be in our lives, is that God even blesses the people we're around just because of our prayer life, because of our testimony, because of our obedience to God. I'll tell you, I've, I've been a part of that. I've been in churches and I've been in ministries where I don't know if it was because of me, but I know it was because of some men of God and some women of God. And I know it was because of a godly father that I had and a godly mother that I have. I know that God has blessed me, not because I deserve it, but God's blessed me because of some people that have been in my life, that God has blessed me for their sake. God blessed the, 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 the brethren because of Joseph and because of his walk and his testimony. 
I will say this about Joseph. I've given you one lesson for each of these brothers, and there's many we could say, but I'll give you one. I think the lesson we could learn from Joseph's life is to live for others. You know, Joseph came to power, and there was going to be seven years of famine in the world, not just Egypt, but in the world. And so Joseph told Pharaoh, he said, Pharaoh, we need to stockpile. For seven years of plenty, we need to lay up in store so we're prepared for the seven years of famine. Now, if that would have been some of us, you know what we would have done? We would have gotten our own stockpile and said everybody else is on their own. You know, we'd get our own Y2K bunker or our own Y2K stash or whatever and say, everybody else can have to fend for themselves because I got my, I got my stuff, I'm good. I've got my toilet paper. I've got my hand sanitizer. I got my disinfectant. You know what I'm talking about. I got my stuff, but everybody else is on their own. But that's not what Joseph did. Joseph said, I've got to make sure that we've got enough for everybody. And can I tell you one of the reasons that God blessed Joseph so much is because Joseph lived his life for others. You go through the whole life of Joseph, he was living for others. Notice quickly, Benjamin. Here's the, the last of the sons, the youngest of the sons. Benjamin, verse 27, shall raven as a wolf. We don't use that word really today, but that word raven, it literally means ravenous. It means hungry. It means uh, uh, like a, a fierceness or an eagerness or a desire to devour something. And some of you say, you know, Pastor, we don't use that word, but I know exactly what you're talking about because that's the way I always feel while you're preaching with a few minutes left on Sunday morning. I feel ravenous. I feel like I could eat a horse or what, you know, whatever. I'm hungry. And I understand that. That's, that's part of being a Baptist, I think. But Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. In the morning, he shall devour the prey, and at night, he shall divide the spoil. Benjamin and his descendants were mighty, fierce warriors. There was a, a, an instance in Judges 19 and 20, and it's a long story, but all of the other tribes, all 11 tribes gathered themselves together against Benjamin. They were ticked off at Benjamin and, and that tribe. And the Bible says that the tribe of Benjamin defeated all of the other tribes put together several battles in a row. And finally, the only way that the other tribes were victorious is because God stepped in and God gave them victory. But the men of Benjamin, they were fierce warriors. From the tribe of Benjamin came King Saul. King Saul was the first king of Israel. And the Bible tells us that he was head and shoulders above the rest. He was a mighty man. He was a powerful man. His son, Jonathan, was a great warrior. His son, Jonathan, was a great soldier. And they came from the tribe of Benjamin. Can I tell you this, the lesson that I believe we need to learn is that as God's people, we must be strong in the Lord. We must be strong for the battle. Now, it, it, I'll just tell you this, it's not a picnic. It's not recess time. It's not a party. It's not a game. We are in a spiritual battle. And if you are naive enough to think that your life and your family is not in a battle, you ought to come and you ought to spend the week with me.
And you ought to hear, and I wouldn't, I would not do this, but you ought to hear some of the phone calls. And you ought to see some of the text messages and you ought to hear some of the conversations where you would find out how quickly that Satan is real. And Satan is after your marriage. And Satan is after your children. And Satan is wanting to destroy your testimony. And Satan is wanting to get you out of church and is wanting to get you out of the Bible and is wanting to get you out of prayer. And if you don't think you're in a battle, friend, you better wake up and you better smell the roses because we are in a spiritual battle and we must be strong. Ephesians 6, I won't have you turn there for sake of time, but the Bible says we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We're going to have to put on the whole armor of God. We're going to have to be prepared for battle because we cannot be victorious in our own ability. We must be strong in the Lord. Lastly, I'll close with this thought. Verse number 29, Jacob charged them. These are his last words. He's getting ready to die. He's getting ready to uh, uh, say his final goodbye and exit this world. And he charged them, verse 29, and he said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite for a possession of a burying place. Verse 32, the purchase of the field and of the cave. You know what's amazing is that Jacob said, I want you to take me and I want you to bury me in the place where my fathers were buried. But it's interesting how he says that was the place that Abraham purchased. Abraham bought that. And I'm not talking right now about a a cemetery plot. I'm not talking about a grave plot right now. But I'm talking about there have been some people that have gone before us who have paid the price so that you and I could have a church There have been some people that have paid the price so that you and I could have what we have today at Victory Baptist Church. This didn't happen overnight. This didn't happen because somebody got together and had a 30-minute meeting and said, oh yeah, we're going to just start a church tomorrow. Oh, here we look at it. Can I tell you, there have been some blood and sweat and tears and sacrifice and prayers and faithfulness and serving God weak after week, after week. Choir members that have been singing in the choir since this church started. Piano players, organists, sound men, nursery workers, ushers, greeters, Sunday school teachers who have been faithful week after week after week and have paid a price so that you and I can have something today. Can I tell you, don't ever take that for granted. Be thankful and appreciative that somebody was willing to pay the price to make preparations for us, knowing that we were coming behind them. But then Jacob says this. He says, I am to be gathered unto my people. You know what Jacob said? He said, I'm ready to go because I know where I'm going. And I want to remind us this morning that if you know where you're going, if you know where you will spend eternity, it's easy to say goodbye. It's easy to say, hey, this is my time. I know where I'm going, and I know I'll see you again. And friend, I want to tell you that there will be a gathering someday of God's children. 
there will be a gathering at the rapture. That's the first place where we'll be gathered together. The Bible says that we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm glad for that gathering someday. And I'm glad for it because I know where I'm going. If you're here this morning and you do not know where you will spend eternity, you're not ready for your last words. You're not ready for your last day. God's given you this day to make sure you're ready. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.